0: Yeah, as we turn to God's word this morning, hmm, yeah. What does the work of the Holy Spirit look like in your life? I guess that's where we're going to start. That's the question. What does the work of the Holy Spirit look like in your life? Is it something we pay attention to, something we're watching for, something we're listening to, something we're sensitive to? What does it mean to live in the power of the Holy Spirit? To walk in step with the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. Do you know what the presence of the Holy Spirit looks like in your life? This morning we're going to be continuing our journey with this idea of sacred presence. Trying to understand and explore what it means for us to be and to bring the very presence of God into the lives of the people around us, to share and reveal His love and His grace, His gospel and His truth, as we were just singing about. To be a witness and a signpost directing people to see and to know the presence of God in the world and in their life, to see the image that God has planted in them. To help them understand the incredible abundant life that He desires for them in relationship with Him. The profound mission that God has laid before us is He works to redeem and transform the world. Inviting us to be on mission with Him on this journey with Him. Fully alive and seeing Him move. We've looked at that in different ways this year, the fruit of the Spirit, the tools that He has given us to live out this purpose that we're talking about, and then the titles, the the nature and authority of Jesus, the root and foundation of all of our life. But over these last few weeks, we've been exploring these stories of the power of the presence of God. Seeking these examples of how He has moved and worked in the past that we can be challenged and encouraged and inspired by the incredible power of our infinite God. And then be able to see more clearly how He is at work in and through and all around us here now today too power of the presence of God is real and alive and we need to have our eyes open to see how He is at work so that we can join Him there. And so we've started in these stories in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, the stories of the Tower of Babel and the humbling of Nebuchadnezzar, the prophet Balaam and his donkey and Elisha seeing the army of God all around him. The vision of Ezekiel and the story of creation. And then God providing for the needs of one woman and her two children who were hurting and alone. It's been an amazing journey and to see the power of the presence of God through the millennia. The threads of history as the hand of God moves in the lives of Kings and prophets and nations and even widows. And there are infinitely more stories that we could be exploring in the Old Testament here. The life of David and Moses and Isaiah and Esther and Ruth and Hagar and Abraham and Deborah. There are so many stories of the power of the presence of God working in and through His people. So once again, get dug in. We need to be in the Word every day, letting the Spirit of God speak through Scripture to shape and mold our hearts and our journey, constantly being sharpened and corrected and encouraged. And the Old Testament is filled with these things for us. We didn't even touch on the Psalms and the Proverbs. There's so much. It's so rich. But we're going to be continuing To follow the story of God's presence and moving into the New Testament, into the life and the story of Jesus and then the church, leading us up to the story of Easter and the ultimate expression of the power of the presence of God as He conquered for all eternity the power of sin and death in the crucifixion and resurrection of His Son for us. It's going to be good. But this morning, we're going to back up just a little bit and just kind of begin to step into this journey and the change that God brought in the way that He was at work in the world as we move into the age of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the new way that God was going to work through His power alive in the church. And we're going to turn this morning to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the story of the baptism of Jesus as we begin to try to understand again the power of the presence of God at work through the Holy Spirit in our lives. The story of Jesus' baptism and the coming of the Holy Spirit on Him is one of the few stories that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. Each Gospel writer had different things that they were trying to show us about who Jesus is. But they all record some portion or aspect of this story. But in the Gospel of Matthew, we kind of have the fullest accounting of this story, what took place on that day and it and the story that comes right after it revealed to us a really powerful truth that we need to understand about what God has created us to be. To know, to experience as human beings what this life was meant to be. Because Jesus was fully God and He was fully human. And His life is the example to us of what God our Father intended for a human life to look like we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Matthew chapter 3. We're going to read this whole chapter here and cheat into chapter 4 just by one verse here. Cuz the story kind of starts with a really important part of this whole thing for us as well here. So buckle up a little bit, but Matthew chapter 3, let's read this story together. It says this, in those days John the Baptist came People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that one of these stones, out of one of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in His hand, and He will clear His threshing floor, gathering His wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. God is good and His Spirit is alive He is leading He is speaking He gives power and brings healing and He desires us to know His power and His presence to walk in His light and be led by Him in every moment just like Jesus The story is so amazing to me. It's such an incredible display of power and humility, submission and grace. Jesus, the creator of the universe, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the Alpha and the Omega, was fully human too. And he was filled with and led by the Holy Spirit, just like God desires us to be. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that make all of this so much more real and possible? We can live in the power and presence of the Spirit, just like Jesus did. Because it's what we were created for. It's what God always wanted for us. It's what He meant for life to be. And it's here in this story. Jesus is showing us what He wants for us too. What we need. But the story starts in an interesting and a familiar place, I guess. Familiar for us from the things that we've been seeing over the last number of weeks. With John the Baptist confronting these Pharisees and once again challenging our approach to life and to see what God is doing. John is out in the wilderness and he's preaching and he's living off of locusts and honey, eating bugs, wearing camel's hair, the prophet of the Messiah. And there's a whole other sermon there of what exactly we think we're entitled to on this journey with God. What exactly God is obligated to provide for us as we follow Him. But we're not going there today. We're going to go there when we talk about Ananias and Sapphira in a few weeks. So prepare yourselves. But it's important for us to see and understand these things. But John is preaching and he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Calling people to see what God was doing. Their sin and their need for His grace. To change their ways and to live in holiness. And all of this is wonderful and true and serious. And at the same time, I find it really, really funny. Because as he's preaching, he notices these Pharisees and Sadducees, these wealthy and powerful and corrupt religious leaders, and they're coming to him, and he just lays into them. You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? The axe is at the root of the tree. Those who don't produce Good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. His winnowing fork, look at these metaphors, these pictures that he's painting. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat and burning up the chaff in unquenchable fire. And we can picture all of this like a Christopher Nolan Batman movie with dramatic music playing and the camera zooms in on John's intense eyes as he's laying into these Pharisees, and his hair—your hair is standing on end as the French horns are blasting in like a movie trailer from ten years ago. It's all intense and dramatic. The prophet of God laying waste to the poisonous religion of these religious leaders. But when you zoom out just a little bit and take the movie trailer ambience off of it, it's just Tuesday. And it's just a sunny day out in the wilderness. And in a sense, these poor Pharisees, I mean, yes, lots of really, but they just showed up out of nowhere. And there's a little bit of a breeze blowing and there's a fly that kind of buzzes. And John is out here just laying into these guys. And they're just standing there. They just happen to be coming by. It's the middle of the week middle of their life and this crazy man is just out there yelling at them about the coming of the kingdom of God when nothing was happening there was no war there was no famine there was no pestilence it's just a normal boring day of the week pick a day whatever day it was and yes the Romans were there and they were the worst and there's probably a couple of soldiers standing keeping an eye on this gathering of Jewish people but they were bored They weren't bothering anybody. They were just standing there too, keeping an eye on the crowd. So that whole scene is funny to me within that. When you actually step into the real world and out of the movie trailer experience that we build in our minds as we read these things. But at the same time, it's exactly how we so easily treat the gospel today. If we believe what we say we believe about life and death and salvation and redemption, and sin, and judgment, heaven, and hell. How is it ever just Tuesday? When God is alive and His presence is real. And once again, we're challenged with what we see and hear all around us, or fail to see so often, because John saw the presence of God alive all around him all the time the reality of the holiness of God and the kingdom of God and in the spirit of Elisha and with with the eyes of Ezekiel, he saw the mission and purpose of God, the kingdom of God that was real and alive, coming in power. Do we see? Even on a normal day? Are we paying attention? Do we even want to? Are we surrounded by normal, boring people living normal, boring lives? Or do we see the image of God born in them, in all of us, and hungry to connect with their Creator, the presence of God weaving and working through the world, bringing light and hope and life? Do we see God's presence like John does? Or are we building our own kingdom Like the Pharisees were. And completely missing what God is doing all around us all the time. What God was doing right before their eyes. Because right into their world steps Jesus. The Son of God they had waited for for so long to show them what all of this was really about. And they didn't see. Verse 13, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. John knows what is happening, at least in part. He had this prophetic role laid on his life that he was going to introduce, bring, prepare the way for the Messiah. So he saw these things coming, and he was... Awake. He knew who Jesus was, what he was going to be. God was here with him in that wilderness, and John could see God's presence there. And as Jesus approached, he understood what was happening. And Jesus, as always, is so gracious and patient. You see here reflected in John the story of Peter when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet. Not me, Lord. Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Can you imagine seeing that moment? The creator of the universe being laid back in the water in the hands of this man, John. Submitting Himself to God, His Father, to men, to His mission of sacrifice and redemption. I can't imagine what it would be like to see that. The Son of God submitting His life for us. Before laying down His life for us. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. God has announced His presence here among these people. And given it to the whole world, His presence. Power, His authority, His spirit, His voice was here in Jesus, and He was going to move in ways that we couldn't begin to imagine. And right away, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and led Him forward in the mission that God had placed before Him. Jesus was led by the Spirit, the very same Spirit He has given to us, and His life is an example to us of what that looks like. He is fully God and He is fully human, and in that He reveals to us the nature of how we are meant to live. What our life is meant to look like. A life that is empowered and filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. The creator of the universe, Jesus, the word, the author of life. And is completely submitted to the will of his father and the leading of the spirit. The things he taught the miracles He performed, the places He went, the people He chose to live with and minister to. The Holy Spirit was leading Him through all of these things, connecting Him with His Father, His will and His purpose, filling Him with clarity and vision, directing Him and empowering Him and showing Him what to do. And all of this is for us. This is so huge. This is what God desires for us. What we were created for. This is the life that Jesus reveals to us. About his purpose for us. Life in the spirit. The very power of the presence of God. Alive in us. We aren't meant to do any of this on our own. In our own strength. Following our own path. We are meant to be in Perfect connection and relationship with Him. Always, in every moment, every breath, every word, every action. Led by Him, fed by Him, by His hand, for His glory. Seeing with His eyes, loving with His heart, and moving in His strength. Just like Jesus did. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you. The Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees His Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. John chapter 12, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all I have spoken. I know that His commands lead to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Jesus himself only did what his father did, only said what his father said. So, why do we try to do it on our own? Why do we think we can? And Jesus himself tells us in John 15 I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. We're not supposed to try. It was never meant to be. With Him, He will do even greater things than these because He has gone to His Father and sent the Spirit to live in us. The power of the presence of God is not outside of us. It's not something we're chasing or we have to work hard to try to figure out. It's alive in us. The Holy Spirit living in us, leading us, speaking to us, correcting and teaching us and empowering us that we can live the fruit of the Spirit and bring the transforming power of the gospel into the lives of the people around us. It's found as we spend time in Scripture, letting the Spirit speak through God's words to our heart. It's found as we spend time in prayer, as the Spirit speaks to us and through us, aligning our hearts with the will of God. It's found in worship as the Spirit speaks through our hearts and our voices as we declare together the truths of who God is and what He has done. It's found in service and care as the Spirit gives us the love of God to share with those who are hurting. And it's found just in relationship as Jesus withdrew to spend time with His Father, the Spirit, should fill us with a hunger to spend time with our Father and His family too. The power of the presence of God is the Holy Spirit alive in us, just like Jesus. and He's calling you. Do you hear? This morning we're going to celebrate communion together, the ultimate expression of, of the submission of Jesus to the will of His Father and the leading of the Spirit. And it's this sacrifice that gives us life, frees us to this new abundant life in the Spirit. As we come today, let's invite the Spirit to speak, to lead us deeper into that new life. To teach us and show us what that holiness looks like and to be transformed into the image of Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that he received from the Lord what he also passed on. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. This morning we have stations set up around the room and we invite you as the worship team plays to come as you feel led as an individual, as a family, with friends, to take the the elements and to Go back to your chair and take a moment to just pray over them and then take them as the Spirit leads. But this morning we want to remember and understand and acknowledge the cost of our freedom. But also understand the new life that He is inviting us into, the power of the presence of God through His Holy Spirit alive in you, leading you into a life that looks like the life of Jesus. Loving others, building the kingdom, pointing people to hope, bringing love. As we spend this time together, let's pray the Spirit to speak to us this morning. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the work of Jesus, for the example of his life, God. Jesus is God. He is the creator of the universe. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. But in all of this, He was fully human. And He shows us what our life was meant to be. A life led and filled with and empowered by the Spirit. God, You have that available for us as well. So as we are here this morning, God, we submit again. We lay our lives at Your feet again. we invite Your Holy Spirit to work in us shape and mold us, transform us into the image of Jesus. That we can go and share him with the people around us. That we can reflect him to the world. That they can see that he loves them. That he has forgiven them. That he desires abundant life for them. Father, you are good. We trust you and we love you. And as we take these elements now, God, we pray that you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're not able to make your way to one of the crosses, Pastor Scott would love to bring the elements to you. You can just wave him down. But let's take this time together.